1: Hello everybody and welcome to The Rugby Dungeon. You can find me, as usual, at jbeardmore, this podcast at The Rugby Dungeon. Thank you for subscribing. If you're not already subscribed, I suggest you do so. And if you've got time, why not leave us a quick message and review? That would be much appreciated and apparently, for reasons I don't understand, it's also very important you do so. Now, let's have a quick word with our sponsors. That is Field & Flower. Field & Flower provide fresh, organic, traceable grass-fed meat direct to your door. Go onto their website, have a look at the, one of their many boxes. They've got the barbecue box, the regular box, they've got a poultry box. They've got all the boxes you could possibly want. Pick the one which is best best for you and your family. Order it. Use our code, Rugby20, at checkout And that's it. Simple as that. Sit back and wait for your delicious grass-fed meat to come direct to your door. They've supported us from day one. You've supported them from day one. And I'm still astonished by how many of you continues to support them week in, week out. So go onto their website, Field & Flower, select the product you you want, but use our code at checkout for your discount. That's Rugby20. Okay, let's get into our interview. This is Joe Marler. How are you, Joe? Hello, mate. Yeah, I'm. I'm fine, thank you. We had a bit of an issue with uh, Skype for the last what four or five minutes.
2: Yeah, I don't. Uh, I've struggled with that. I can't quite understand why you couldn't get to grips with it. <laughs> I've been out, and you seem to struggle, which amazes me because clearly this is a passion of yours. It um, is
1: uh, phoning up rugby players and asking for gossip, basically, just beg- j- just begging around the professional ranks.
2: Yeah, and you're not particularly uh, professional with it, so I think you need to improve on that, please, JB. I I couldn't I couldn't agree
1: more. So what uh, what have you been up to on on the off season then, Joe? Uh,
2: off season. Oh bloody hell! Seems a seems a long time ago. Where I was completely off. Um, I went to Greece with the family. Nice, um, which was lovely, and then went to Ibiza on a stag do. Uh, um, Danny Kerr's stag do, which was now—is that the
1: one which you t- uh, a lot of things were posted on Twitter on yachts, that kind of thing? Yes, that yes. that looked superb. Did you go to the wedding? Was it this weekend?
2: Yeah, yeah, just been, just been. Um, it was uh, it was delightful. It was, <laughs> it, was very, <laughs> it was a very good wedding from the uh, bits and bobs that I've pieced together of remembering it. Superb. I've got
1: to say the stag do looked. Uh, Looked excellent, uh, particularly what was it, a little water jetty thing which uh, everyone was on.
2: Yeah, I uh, I didn't quite uh, make the cut for that, um, mainly because I was too scared. Um, but the the yacht, it was a uh, I can't remember the connection to be honest with the with the thing. But this bloke basically hosted us on his yacht for one of, for one of the days and.
1: Yeah. It's.
2: It was, it was unbelievable.
1: It's got to be a bit of an ego boost, though, hasn't it? Having some of the England team and most of Harlequin's team on on your yacht, you can't go wrong with it.
2: Yeah, I. I think we were pretty much small fry to him, though, because um, the following Sunday or Monday, it was at uh, he hosted Dan Bilzerian, so. Oh really? Do yeah. You... So it, it was like. We almost had to try and persuade him that we were rugby player. The thing is, though, right,
1: I mean, you say, like, that small fright. I'm pretty convinced Dan Bilzerian, if he had half a chance to be a rugby player, would be a rugby player.
2: Oh, yeah, definitely.
1: I mean, that's the sort of image that, he, that he's trying to put across.
2: Yeah, he loves, he loves himself. He loves, um, what's it they call him, king of Instagram? Yeah, well, do, do you follow him on Instagram? Uh I don't know. I'm I'm strictly clean following on Instagram,
1: you know. Uh, you know. Oh well, you should follow him. But <laughs> apparently when he does his little um his little bits and pieces. Yeah. It's a full on production. It's not like he just happens to show up with three women playing poker and they all own ar 15s. He orders the whole thing in, does like a set, takes the photos and, off he, and then off he goes again.
2: Oh bloody hell, he's a pro. He's a he's a proper pro then, yeah.
1: Yeah, but the other thing apparently is
2: he's not very good at poker.
1: It is what I hear. But whether that's true or not, I don't know. It's all just an image.
2: Well, let's hope Dan Bilzerian does not listen in on your podcast. Oh, big fan. He'll be happy. He's a big fan. Uh,
1: So how is your season structured for you? Because obviously the England boys went away on tour to Australia. Then they have their break straight after. Were you included? uh, Do you have the same schedule because you're part of the, the overall group? Or nah. has it been different for you? No,
2: nah, no, nah, completely different. Um, I took my uh, well, it's five weeks now, five mm. weeks compulsory off off season, which was very nice. Uh, I took it straight away at the end of the season once I'd made the decision. Yeah, um, to not tour, and uh, we went away to Greece pretty much straight away. Mm. Um, then, like I said, ends up Ibiza, and I've just got back from Portugal. So um, straight away, I've I. Been in the club for four weeks. Yeah, four Mm -hmm. weeks until we got a week off. Um, Like I said, just got back from Portugal. So that's how it was structured so far. And we've got another seven weeks to go before the start of the season. Seems
1: like an absolute eternity before actual any rugby starts off again.
2: It always is. Um, But um, you've got to do the graft. You've got to do the bloody... Shit! Am, am I allowed to swear on this? Podcast? You can do whatever you want, Joe. Oh bollocks! For the next, for the next
1: hour, treat it like the Joe Moller show. Well,
2: that's ridiculous. Um, <laughs> so you, um, so yeah, they've got another seven weeks. Like you said, it would take bloody ages to get to that September third game.
1: Yeah. So you, you've obviously been in a lot longer than say all the all the guys that are on tour in Australia.
2: Yeah, they haven't actually joined us yet. They're they're due in. Um, they're due in next week.
1: Okay, and 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 how is the atmosphere without them? Do you find you get different, like different work done, or is it basically working with you with the lads that aren't in England? And when the rest of the boys come back, that's that's when you get into it.
2: it it's quite a, a strange feeling to be honest, because it, it's my personally, it's my own my first pr- proper pre-season since I was seventeen. Yeah, um, from various age group stuff and tours, so uh, yeah. I haven't really experienced. The, like a normal pre-season um, before and I'm speaking to a couple of the other boys that haven't been away before they've always said that it tends to be quite flat not having the entire squad there um, and then when everyone gets back from various countries and different tours then uh, things start picking up and the rugby starts picking up hang on a minute I've got to get a drink no uh, way, isn't it? and then uh, but I've actually really enjoyed it uh, it is a bit yeah. The first couple of weeks are a little bit of um You get a little bit excited to begin with. Mm-hmm. I'd like say for like the first hour. Yeah. And then after the first hour until the end of week 11, you're just depressed um, and trying to hang in there as much <laughs> as you can, particularly from a front row's point of view.
1: Yeah, I, I can only imagine. So, have there been, is there much of a change in atmosphere in Harlequin since uh, since
2: Conor left? Uh, yeah, there has been actually. Um, I know that people have said to me, oh, there can't be much different because you've, you've got the same guys who've just moved up with Mark Mabel Toff going to head coach and yeah, yeah. Kingston going to uh, DOR, but, you know, they haven't been in those roles before, so they're now trying to put their own stamp put their own mark on on the squad and they're bringing some different ideas some fresh ideas and you know connor was great for the 6 7 years that he was here um and i'm sure he do brilliant things with italy but um it's it's nice to have a different voice um about the place now yeah it's it's freshened it up somewhat you would say yeah you know any any change freshens it up particularly at the start, let's just hope that come the middle of December, um, we're, still, <laughs> we're still thinking fresh, talking fresh, and uh, coming up with new ideas. So, how uh,
1: how do you think uh, Holoquins will differ this year when when we finally get to see you play?
2: Oh, it, it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to judge at the moment, mate. We've only been in rugby sort of two weeks going now. Um, but I don't think there'll be a huge amount different from the way we play or the way we've known to play. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why the majority of players in this squad sign for this squad or, or stay at this squad because they like the way we play. We throw the ball about a little bit, perhaps a little bit too much sometimes. Yeah. Um, so maybe that will be an area we work or we need to work on going going forward.
1: Yeah, Harlequins are a strange team because on your day you can beat anyone. I mean, it's a really fantastic team to watch. I don't know what it is though. You need to you need to concentrate just to get that extra two three percent because you're not far off.
2: Well, it's uh, I think there's a very fine line between stick into your DNA and the way you want to play. And this is us. No matter what, we need to go out and perform the way we want to perform. And almost we got to the point where we cared more about the way we played and actually we got a little bit... (laughs) It's a bit hard to describe. A little bit happy to... If we played really well and played Quinn style but lost, we'd still be happy. Yeah, and if we hadn't played that well and played it th- and won, it it wouldn't as be it wouldn't have been as satisfying. It and to me as a well, actually as a front rower, but um, <laughs> in general, I just want to win. Yeah, um, and I understand having an identity, but it gets to the point where you're like, yeah, you you stick to the way you want to play and the, the style you you've. Um, decided that you want to play but at the end of the day you've you've got to do all that you can to win Yeah. Um, so hopefully we can have a little bit more of that attitude going in next year Yeah. Now you've appointed um, not you
1: personally of course but Danny Kerr has been appointed for captain of Quinns this Mm -hmm. year that to me seems like one of the most difficult jobs because of course you were captain was it last year or the year before?
2: Uh, the year before
1: I can't imagine how you would how would you how would you possibly come to a decision if for instance Nick Evans says he wants to kick and Danny says he wants to tap and go and it, also you got Rob Shaw in that mix too
2: <laughs> uh, I like the angle you're trying to go with there. <laughs> the roundabout way of asking a particular question um, uh, Danny will always go with his instincts mate he's a scrum half that that Lives on the edge of, of tempo and quick taps and quick throws, and he'll just go with his in, instinct. Um, but he's done an excellent job as captain and has actually um, shown you know, was first year, so we're still learning, learning the ropes and learning the role and having to deal with different egos. I mean, there's enough of us in this team, <laughs> um, and different managing different personalities and managing different referees because Christ. We've got a um, a wide variety of referees and different ways you need to talk to them. That's really interesting. Um, That's so interesting. Um, he he's doing well, mate, and he'll get better at those decision makings. Ultimately, we'll buy into the fact that if he quick, if he quick taps and taps and goes, then we we back him. If Carl Sinclair taps and goes, <laughs> and, <laughs> well, I mean, he'll probably score. Well, yeah, hopefully, Christ, he, he was doing really well last year. Yeah. Um, but you you you've got to back your mates, and then you can
1: question it after and learn from it after. Yeah, it strikes me uh, for Harlequins, and tell me if I'm wrong, but this is just from an outsider looking in. That you've got a really a really good core group of guys, and actually, it's not a case of just Danny being the captain. But you know, you could take over the role. You got you got Chris, uh, you got Nick. You've got you've actually got a good a good group of leaders. Uh, Mike Mike Brown, of course.
2: Yeah, uh, but that that's important. You look at um great teams that you've had in the past and great teams that you have now it's not just all on the shoulders of one guy it's about the boys you know getting around him taking the pressure off him mm. um, when it's needed and and also everyone being on the same page because if you've got too many people thinking different things well you're never going to be successful so hopefully us as a, a leadership group boys that have been there a while and other boys that don't necessarily play as much, your Carl Dixons, your Mark Lamberts, yeah. who are still senior boys and leaders within this group can actually kick on, set, set the standards for, for this coming season and actually have a successful season. I don't know what a successful season looks for, looks for us yet. Looks like for us
1: yet. What, um, that's 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 an that's an interesting point. I mean, what would you
2: what would you be happy with this year? Obviously, winning winning the whole thing. Oh yeah, every everyone's going to say yeah, win the prem, win the challenge tin cup, um, <laughs> win win everything that you can. But what we need to do is we need to get back to consistently playing winning rugby. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last few years, we've what eight, or we've lot. Like, we started after we won the Prem, we then finished top four two years running, but never really made any progress or never re- really changed things up. Um, and then ended up sliding down, resting on our laurels a little bit. And then we finished eighth. And I think, did we finish seventh last year? Seventh yeah, or eighth again last year? You may, you may well have actually. I mean, I, I thought last year's performance
1: on you know. As a whole, was actually more impressive than the previous year. Even though you got to fourth last uh, the previous year, you I think went out against Bath. But the yeah. reason I say that is you know you've had some significant scalps. You're one of the few teams to beat Saracens, yeah. and actually I think the league is more was more competitive last year than it was the year before.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. we, we I, I agree with you. The first first half of last season felt like we'd had a couple of new sign-ins. We've got Jamie Roberts in, Adam Jones in, some fresh faces, which were brilliant, and top-quality players. And we were we were playing some decent rugby. We were winning games, and the Sarri's game was a big one for us. Mm. Um, and then the sort of Christmas period, Six Nation period happened, and we lost our way, and, and we, we never got it back, really. A killer blow for us was the Northampton game at home when... I've never I didn't play in it but I remember watching it back I've never seen something like that happen in a game when Ben Bottica's kick all he had to do was run out and stopped and won the game and he kicks the ball and it comes back in and they score after the next seven or eight phases yeah I, I think that was a a big blow to us. Do you
1: know what? I, I feel. I, I feel so sorry for Ben Botica. Uh, he's <laughs> he's just not blessed with luck. I, I think that's that's what it comes down to. Very good player. Seems like a nice guy, but just not blessed with luck. I mean, you've got the Northampton game, which you're absolutely right about, and of course you've got the Montpellier game. I mean, uh, you like let's not let's not relive that. But
2: I think <laughs> uh, I think when it, I don't know when he starts at Montpellier, but I'm sure there'll be a. A pretty big welcoming party for him. Um, Yeah, I hear
1: they're going to carry him in.
2: Yeah, helicopter him in. Last game.
1: Yeah, that was uh, that, that. That must have been devastating, though. Actually.
2: Yeah, it was. I mean, could we have scored off that? You don't know. You've got to give yourself a chance. But did we really deserve to even be in a position? Um. To draw the game and take it into extra time, probably not. But it's cup final, so it's not really about deserving. It's about yeah, whether you get it done or not. But um, it was a very odd feeling, to be honest. And you know, he, he didn't take it particularly
1: well. I can't imagine he um, did. I can't. Imagine. And it's just the. It's almost like this kind of poetic ending it's just so it's so unfortunate for for the guy any other team and you might have just said you know that's that's, that's just a bit that's just a bit, a bit unlucky but it just seems to be the ultimate misfortune that it that it was Montpellier too so like after the game then just just give us a, give us an idea you're all sitting there and I imagine it's it's deadly silent because you're all pros and you you know you all want to um you, you all want to win so I guess losing feels terrible was there was there a moment when, when someone said hmm cheers Ben you kind of like light, light, a, a light hearted moment or was it just completely serious throughout the whole thing
2: <laughs> a light hearted one uh, there might have been a couple of uh, cheers Ben um, what the <laughs> hell were you doing um, oh, nah, poor guy it, you've just you're spot on really It's that sort of funeral-esque um, feeling and then it's like well actually no no one died someone gets a beer Um and let's do what we're very good at and uh get on the piss. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: uh I was gonna say, outside of I've not really been around the Holoquins camp that um that much, for instance, when they when they when they when they come up to sale. But I have heard good things about the actual team spirit there and all um, and, and all the things that you get up to. If I was gonna be playing um professional rugby, I think I think I'd probably go and join Saracens because they seem to have the like the rubber of the green on all the social events, all the trips away. It just seems like a, it just and seems like the place and to they be.
2: actually Win, huh? And they actually win.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're a, they're a formidable outfit. They've
2: got, it, outfit. All. They've got well, it all, mate.
1: They've and got it all, except for when they came uh, came up against you boys. Yeah, well,
2: only once, but you know, we'll still take that. They, yeah, uh, exactly they, right. No, they definitely know how to. Uh, they know how to. <laughs> Get on the piss, so to speak.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, well, we bumped in, into them in, in New York when they when, when they played the Irish game. And they're a happy camp. It, it's it's safe to say.
2: Yeah, yeah good for them. <laughs>
1: uh, am I right? Did you go to the um, Bermuda tournament? Were you one of the guys?
2: No, I, di- I didn't go. Uh, we do go, but I didn't go.
1: Oh, actually... Actually, I got... Um, I'm not sure if I can say this. I, I think I can. Um, I got an email today from your press team. You're off to uh, San Francisco.
2: Yes, uh, Saturday. Saturday morning. So, And uh, I did turn around to... It was Lam- Mark Lambert, actually, I said. Um, I can't wait to go to San Francisco. I've never been to San Francisco. But I was actually hoping we were going to California. And he was like <laughs> Are you kidding me or what? I was like, What? I really I really want to go to California and then he put me straight and obviously it's the same place. So Yeah uh,
1: yeah, that's a bit awkward that one, mate. Yeah, a little bit awkward. Touch awkward. It is Northern California. I think when in fairness to you, I'm gonna try and make an argument for you. When you go to California, you think LA.
2: Yeah.
1: So maybe you get off.
2: Well, if you can help me get off of that, then that's fine.
1: Uh, I'm not arguing with Mark Lambert about anything.
2: Right, okay, good. Uh, So, what's your itinerary uh, going out there? Uh, I don't actually know, mate. Um, I don't think there's a huge plan, uh, apart from we'll train every day, we'll do some community stuff in the evenings um, for the high schools and, and the emerging rugby clubs they've got out there, but... I think there'll be a huge emphasis on on the social side of it, and because mm. um, that when the, all the England boys will be back in and we'll be together for the first time as as a group and um, kind of setting the tone really for, mm. for the season to come. Well, actually, San Francisco is
1: probably a good place to be if you're a rugby team. Because from what I know of U.S. rugby, which is relatively limited, I think they've got basically the best team in the country, though, which is San Francisco Golden Gates, or one of the best teams historically. In fact, I think that's where um, Manoa came from. Um,
2: Manoa.
1: um, Samu Manoa. Northampton.
2: Right, I thought you were talking about that honey that everyone raves about.
1: That's uh, Manuka. Very close, then. Um, Very, very close. Uh, Reduces swelling, too, which is important.
2: Yeah, I think that's a load of bollocks. I think people are lying just so that you'll pay fifteen ninety nine dollars 99 oh, to have their honey. You're absolutely right. It's like no, the extra virgin I'm olive oil. just looking at my wife here. That Manouk honey, what load of bollocks? Apparently, yeah, she agrees.
1: Oh, Well, well okay. So it's basically like um, uh, extra virgin olive oil. When I can't remember the, the exact quantities, but say 10 million quantities are sold and only 5 million... Uh, sorry, Ten million liters are sold, but only five five million li- liters are made.
2: Um, I'm slightly worried, um, or no, worried and fascinated as to how you have just come out with that stat, or oh. you're just googling these stats straight away and then just saying them out loud.
1: I know all sorts of weird things. The thing is, it's it's living with a wife because you know, my my wife's actually a doctor, but it doesn't stop her from doing from basically looking into all these you know. Uh, miracle remedies various creams various oil-based creams eight-hour cream all this thing which i'm convinced is complete and utter bollocks so you've always got to have your bullshit detent uh, your bullshit detector on go all the time or it's going to cost you a lot of money and manuka honey falls exactly into that category yeah well
2: tastes like
1: honey to me mate so yeah well i i've, I've made the mistake of spending 12 12 pound on it before so you you're in good company um Going back to going back to, to 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 the states, then you say you said you're going to do some do do some community work. Do you do much of that in Quins in general, uh, getting local schools in that sort of thing?
2: Yeah, I think it's a huge part of the club, and I think it's a huge part of the, a lot of the clubs in the Premiership now. Um, you know, get, getting to know the the feeder clubs, the, the clubs that. The players who are playing in the squad first started their rugby at and and getting that connection and mm. um, it's really good for. There's a lot of guys in our squad that have now turned to coaching whilst they're still playing, so it's good for them to. Oh, is is Nick Easter coaching with you now? Have I got Nick it right? Easter
1: is yeah, he's our defence coach. Oh, nice! Uh, and uh, has he has he gone through that transition fairly easily?
2: Well, he's he. What was he? Wimbledon. He was Wimbledon coach for the last few years. Uh, Okay, he was doing on the side, and now he's decided to narrow it down a bit to being a specific defence coach for us. Mm -hmm. um, Which is actually probably a win-win, to be honest, because we're shit house (laughs) in defence. So if we continue to be shit house, he won't have lost anything, and if we improve, well, then he's gained everything. So what? um, what do you think it is about your defensive structure, which wasn't top
1: notch last year? Then
2: uh, interest, interest levels. Um, really, like, like I said about um, the way we play, uh, it's very attack, very attack focused. Um, boys get very excited about attacking, um, and defence has always been a secondary nature to the majority of the squad, which, you know, is something Nick Easter has, has got hold of this summer, and we've been doing defence, not not every day, but pretty much three or four times during the week, mm-hmm. um, as part of a work on, because it's just not acceptable in this, in this day and age, because uh, you need a rock-solid defence, because everyone is now capable of they've got these strike runners everywhere they've got great attackers they've got and if you're not interested in defending unless our attack is world class and we can outscore them like bloody Barcelona can Mm. um, then you you know you need a defence
1: Okay, that's quite interesting because when I think of the Queens team, yeah, you you're naturally known for all your attacking prowess, but you do have some really good defensive pieces. I don't think there's a man on earth that works harder than Chris Robshaw, and then you've got Jamie Roberts. I mean, I'm a Welshman, and you know, that 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 guy is borderline hero, borderline heroic when he plays um, the way he does for Wales.
2: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. Um, you've got some very, we've got some very good individual defenders, but, you know, they can't do it all. Mm-hmm. Um, unless everyone 1-15 is buying into it and getting on with it, then you're buggered. So how would you go about fixing fixing that then, uh, getting the interest back into the boys? You've, you've got to make it exciting. Boys, boys enjoy defending. I mean, enjoy attacking because uh, you're naturally want your hands on the ball, or most people do, although there's actually a few people that um, yeah. <laughs> go around games actually said, no, don't possibly me, no, don't pass me. <laughs> um, You know, they want to get their hands on the ball, they want to play rugby, they want to do that. And defence isn't very glamorous, it's not very exciting, so there's not many people that want to do it. That's interesting, you know, because... So you've, you've got to get that excitement level, which... Saracens um, and the coaches that they've had in the past are probably the ones who are, who are best at. But, um, I mean, they
1: now do both. I mean, I suppose why I'm quite surprised it is I see defence as the single easiest way to show all your teammates that you actually care about the team exactly. and the best way to show, you know, a bit of courage, a bit of pride.
2: Exactly. Um, which probably gives you a slight insight without me directly saying it as to Part of the problems we were having last year but I think um, from the feel of it the vibe of it um, and the way that we've all spoken so far mm. uh, that we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna let that be be the case anymore
1: yeah I, th- I think another thing about it as well is nothing feels better than a good five minute stint in defense and you know you've got your tails up. And then they knock it on, or the pressure results in something. I mean, in my mind, five five minutes of the best rugby I've seen recently probably Ireland Wales, when Wales just sat on their try line and soaked it all up for four minutes. Wonderful to watch. I love it.
2: Yeah, well, it was the same with the boys down under. Yeah, it was actually. At the second test just before the second half, um, just before half time, I mean. Yeah. Um, they just defended for their lives, and then I think it was Robbo we have got a, an important turnover, um, yeah. That you know really set the tone. Well, actually, you can keep going, keep going, but we ain't budging. So, um, you're right, mate. It's it's a huge area, and we people just need to respect it a little bit more and enjoy it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Now, watching
1: that um, watching that England game, particularly the second test, uh, was was uh, a lot of you re- uh,
2: regretting that you didn't fly over. Uh, no, not really. Okay. Uh, I, I I made my decision that was quite easy to make. Um, mm-hmm. at the time, and I looked at that game. Uh, I, well, I looked at the whole. City. I didn't. I missed the first game, mm-hmm. um, but I managed to watch the second and the third game. And I looked at it with with hunger, to be honest. Yeah. which was also part of the reason for making the decision. Um, I needed to get some fire in my belly again. Um, get me something to strive for. Uh, and what better way, um, to do it than try and get back into a history making England team who've gone down and spanked Australia three now. Absolutely right. So, you know, it's, I was really pleased for them. They all, they did bloody well down there. Oh, it was um, incredible to watch. Um, fully deserved definitely sweet sweet revenge um for what happens in the world cup with them lot against us which you know i suppose that that part of it i'd love to have been part of that to get my own personal um revenge on but you know you can't have everything
1: yeah i mean god i mean there's so so many so many questions arising from that game. i, I guess i'll start with this um the world cup game It was it was awful, you know, for for pretty much the the you know the the entire nation.
0: You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. day at Whole Foods Market
1: Uh and I can't imagine how um, how bad it was for you boys. A lot was made of the Australian scrum. Uh, w- was that was that fair? Uh,
2: as in the credit they were given? Yeah, uh, completely. Um, they tore us a new one. Um, <laughs> they. Uh, what was amazing? Not not amazing was. The improvement, and I don't think a lot of people on the outside really recognised it, or there was always a little bit of chat that the fact they brought in Mario Ledesma,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and they'd actually started to respect their scrummage a little bit more. Um, but they had some quality, quality operators. They had the likes of Kepu mm-hmm. and Stephen Moore there, who, you know, outstanding. And then you got Scott Seo, St- Scott who's yes. arguably probably... The best, Lou said, at, at that tournament. Um, who isn't your stereotypical Australian prop who can't scrummage? Yeah, yeah. And you know, it came, it came down to it. Uh, the crux of it, obviously, there was the, there was the media frenzy from Bob Dwyer. Um, <laughs> 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 my, my favorite <laughs> tweet of the year.
1: I think you might have got some traction from our from our Twitter account. For well, actually, our Twitter account and everyone else in um, in the world. Yeah,
2: there's no no comment on that. <laughs> I don't think I'm. Um, I don't think I'm going to
1: comment. <laughs> no, don't don't do it, Joe. Don't don't do it. So uh,
2: so yeah, they they. It, we didn't underestimate them at all. They they were just better than us mm. uh, by some margin. And that was something that will always stay with me personally. I know it will always stay with uh, the likes of Tom Youngs and, and Dan Cole as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I, I can only imagine. Yeah, uh,
2: but, so, you
1: know,
2: they've made the improvements now. So
1: When you go into a game like that and you have your first scrum, do you know immediately, I'm in trouble here? Or is it a gradual series of events?
2: Uh, and that game in problem. particular, actually? Sometimes there is some writing on the wall, uh, the fact that I'd been pointed out as a completely illegal scrummager during the week, mm-hmm. um, and then the first scrum, I think it was either the first or the second scrum that I I'm, am I'm penalised at, mm. uh, it, it did feel a little bit like, ah, oh, shit, um, we could probably do without not having any scrums <laughs> this game um, because I think if there's 50-50 calls, I suspect they might go against us here. Yeah. And it turned out that way. It was just a spiral of shit that um, I could, we couldn't get a grip of, um, which was actually... one. It wasn't all of the game. It was, it was a big part of the game and obviously a big part of what I remember, but they carved us from minute one to minute 80 in most departments. So they were, they were deserving winners. Yeah. And uh, I mean, how much does referees interpretation have to do with, um, if you're
1: going to have a good day or a bad day?
2: Uh, a huge amount, huge amount. Mm-hmm. Um, there isn't a, hu- there isn't a huge amount of scrummaging, Scrum knowledgeable referees out there, if that makes sense. Uh, A lot of French ones are good because a lot of the French game is based around scrum and they have a lot more Mm. uh, than than our guys. Uh, So it it can definitely affect it. Uh, But you have to do your own research as players as well about what sort of uh, pitchers the ref's looking for.
1: Yeah, I mean, David Flatman told me a story about... I think it was. I'm going to say it was Spreadbury um, when he was raffing, yeah. and apparently he walked around with a. No, it's Dean Richards, um, and apparently he walked around with a with a photograph, and he said, "This is what I want to see," and that that was it. That 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 was the knowledge. Uh, scrum, uh, scrum class over.
2: Well, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more. Um, of that from some of the younger refs coming up in the game because I I do get the impression that some of the younger refs in the game and and even the older ones, they're getting put under pressure by outside sources, by the publics, and scrums are boring. They're dropping too much. Mm. Something needs to be done about them and so they're getting a little bit scared what's your I mean, I mean just take away
1: the media side of it and what supposedly the fans want because I don't buy what the fans want at all I, I don't believe it and even if even if they do want it it just means they don't know what what they want what's your view on scrimmaging and how it fits into the game because in my mind it's some of the most glorious rugby that you're ever likely to see
2: well I just I get sick of people that say you should get rid of scrums. I'm like well f- f- go play rugby league then for Christ's sake. Exactly. The whole point of the game is to have these different um specialist areas. The scrum, the line out, the ruck, the mall, like that's the the variety of life, mate. You know, you get fat, thin, muscly, quick, black, white, anyone who wants to play the game and the actual game itself is um a huge variety. If they took it away, well one I'd be out the bloody job. Yeah. Um which you know, I don't think Turfin would pay quite as well. <laughs>
1: um, would that be the alternative?
2: Yeah, at the moment, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. I haven't really got a lot of options there. He could be an artist. Yeah, no, I can't really draw, so I struggle with that. Mm. Um, but I think the scrum's improving. I think the new laws are actually improving it. I think now the now the laws. I think they could go another bit further and completely take away the hit um, and go old school completely that the scrum doesn't actually start until the ball's in. Yeah, I, I've got a very
1: strange theory a- about scrimmaging and I'm sure you'll prove it. Hang on, hang
2: on, JV. Who uh- won? What do you mean? Who's come third and fourth? No. Jason's in the top two. Oh, thanks. Sorry, mate. Um, I'm missing big brother. Uh, what, is Big Brother, what, are you watching a recording from 1999 or something? I mean, that's not funny in the slightest. <laughs> uh, and it's also disrespectful because Big Brother's one of the greatest TV shows that's ever been made.
1: Uh, agreed. When it first came out, it was groundbreaking. I didn't even know it was still on. No, it's fantastic. Uh, We're all, we all going through a, a period of retro TV at the moment, which is, uh, you know, Robot Wars is back on, on Sunday. Well, okay, I don't see you slagging that Up uh, Absolutely not. It's, uh... It's TV gold, mate.
2: Yeah, yeah, if you're in
1: 1999. And uh, you're a uh, 48-year-old virgin that works for BAE Systems. Yeah, sure. <laughs> works well. Uh, where were we about scrimmaging? Yes, my, uh, my theory about um, scrimmaging. So, all the new laws have come in. I understand them because they are there for the safety of the players. Yep. If you look back at, say, a Six Nations game, not that many people do, but, say, from the 80s, the Hawker the arrives quick. The the two props bind on, on him as quickly as possible. And they all get it done, usually before the referee even show, shows up. And I think, yeah, I can see there is a scope here for it to go wrong. But the more you systemise it, the more the props become specialist, And then you get, well, monsters like yourself, like half the premiership. Uh, and I actually think all the stages of the scrum are just resulting in bigger scrummages.
2: Yeah, no, agreed. Agreed, like you've described the... Uh... The old scrums back in the 80s that's definitely the way I think we need to go back to and I think it will be a lot easier for the referees to actually referee because yeah. you, can, you can then clearly see who's offending yeah
1: um, I, I, I think it might be safer I, I really do
2: yeah
1: so nice. uh, it, yeah it, it'd be interesting to see, see what see what um, see what they come up with next uh, back to the art of uh, scrummaging. the uh, a game which I absolutely loved. It might, it might have been last year. I think it was the year before. It was Sale Bath on a. It was a Friday night game. I don't know what it is with the Premiership. But every time they schedule a Friday night game, doesn't matter who they're playing or where they're playing, it'll the, it will rain.
2: Then surely it wasn't the nine all or the six
1: all game. It was when well, Sail beat Bath away at Bath. Right.
2: Ah, yes, I do. Yes, I do know the one.
1: And they had like I must have been fine.
2: Henry Thomas. Was yes, sin He came on the field and then. That's the me. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It was it was awesome because they had seven minutes of reset scrum, reset scrum, sin bin, and there's, there's something about that that kind Did of. Do you want to take that? Could you want to take that out of the game? I don't. I think it's. I think it's. Exactly. I think it's perfect because I can understand if it's in the middle of the field and it just keeps on coming down But this is Bath defending for their lives against a dominant sales scrum And that's what those boys have practised to do that's, that's how they're going to neutralise Bath That to me is is brilliant I, I couldn't ask for anything more
2: You are what they call a rugby purist And fast becoming my favourite member of the media
1: Yeah, well, I'm definitely your favourite member of the rugby podcast, right?
2: Um, you are the only member of the rugby podcast
1: I'm aware of at the uh, moment. There are there are two more, but I'll take that as a yes. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I guess it goes back to the defence thing, doesn't it? It's that team, it's that teamwork thing, and the fact that you all eight of you have got to get involved in order to produce that result, and that's what's special about it.
2: Exactly. You can't take it away. Please don't take it away. I can't be a turfer again. <laughs>
1: no. Uh, We've spoke about one side of Conor O'Shea leaving, which is obviously the effect on on Harlequins. I'm just interested to find out what your point of view would be about what differences this will make to Italy going forward. Uh, Hang on, can you bring
2: Mags a bottle up? Yes, Um, of course. What difference... uh, It's a little bit like I described with uh, Nick Easter earlier. Conor's put himself in a position where... He wants to make the next step he wants to step up and do international rugby and I suspect in long term he wants to coach Ireland or or a top tier nation and he's in an opportunity with Italy to gain his experience there and he's in a he's a he's in a win-win situation do do you think well Italy don't win many games Um, so if they continue to be the same then you know Connor hasn't lost a huge amount Mm-hmm. He just hasn't gained a, a huge amount, but if they win one or two games, it's like, well, hang on a minute, Connor, Connor O'Shea, look, look what he could do with an Italian team. You know, imagine what he could do with a team full of superstars. Yeah, I, I, you know,
1: it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because I think he's gone from a very nice setup in in Harlequins. You guys play nice, uh, play nice rugby. You are successful. He's won a Premiership. I, I can just see him going there, not pick, not winning any games actually, because. Who who's he going to beat? He's not going to beat Scotland because they're no mugs now. Wales are Wales. I mean, you might pick up some against the French, but you know, he, France could be a world-class team overnight. You just don't know. Mm-hmm. He could end up with you know five six losses in a row, maybe more.
2: Yeah, well, I wish him all the best, mate. Mm. Just something different. I don't know what was going on going on in his head. Whether he just fancied something different, he was bored, he was stale, or you know. He Likes. just wanted to wanted to do something different, Maybe or just liked Italy. pizza. Or, well, there you go. Or uh, what else? Have the, that tower that leans funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, leaning Tower of Pisa. That's the one. That's the one. Mm.
2: So, uh, this
1: week we've just had a new deal with the RFU and Premier Rugby. Uh, do the players know anything about this yet? Were you fully consulted before it was done?
2: I have no idea.
1: So you don't know if it's going to change, you know, when you go to England camp and how much time you're having, that kind of stuff.
2: Nah, not a jot. I suspect some of the senior boys in in the England setup uh, were aware of it. Yeah, um, I know there was quite a, a handful of them that were were part of the negotiation deals with RPA, RFU, PRL. Mm. Um, but in terms of the general squad knowledge, nada. Okay,
1: so. Do you know then? Uh, I mean, it's. I I guess it's not set in stone for this year like it was last year. But if it is similar to last year, what 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 will your England commitments be? When do you leave Harlequins? When do you go and see them? That kind of stuff.
2: Well, if I was to get back in the squad, uh, which I'm hoping. Yep. There is. You, you've got the first six, seven games to. To get in the squad, and then you go away October, November time for the Autumn Internationals. Mm-hmm. Um, you come back for a few weeks, and then you meet up again January, end of January time. Y- yeah. To then go away for the Six Nations for the eight-week block.
1: Now, um, just remind me, who was Eddie Jones in charge of England for last year's Autumn Internationals?
2: No. No, it, was, it wasn't on last year because of the World Cup.
1: Okay, so the first set of games he had would be the six nations. Yeah. Where you went away and basically wiped the floor with everyone which, you know, was pretty pretty impressive bearing in mind where you were, you know, only a few months ago. Uh, what was what was the big difference when you when when you sh- sh- showed up in camp?
2: Um uh, clearly the, the coaching staff weren't there anymore. Yeah. Um, but it, there wasn't a huge amount of change uh, from Obviously, the setup, up the, the players, it was still the majority of the squad. Um, but it was a fresh voice. Mm-hmm. It was a fresh voice in, in Guzzi and Paul Guzstad, the defence coach, and a fresh voice in, in Steve Warwick. Uh, so they brought different ideas, um, different approach to, to how they delivered those ideas. And, and boys were able to forget the pain of what happened in the World Cup, and actually go, oh well, this is new. Actually, this is a Six Nations. This gives us a a chance to to crack on and an opportunity to win in an England shirt. So um, that was the the initial feeling. And as it as the weeks went on, Eddie instilled a belief
1: mm-hmm.
2: in it, in the team, but his man manager man management. And the belief he instilled in each individual player mm-hmm. was his biggest asset, or is his biggest a- asset. You know, he tells you when you're shit out, and he praises you when you're, you're good. Um, he's honest, and that's what players want. They want honesty. They want to know where they stand. They want clear cut selection. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what I put the the Six Nations down to, really
1: yeah and uh, and and how does, and how does he he differ to the to the previous leadership if if yeah.
2: um, i don't like i don't i won't sit here and bag the the previous regime because yeah. we had four good years um consistently you know solid solid performances in six nations and some very good wins in the autumn on and off mm <laughs> hmm but never really making that next step of dominating. Um, but they're just different. Um, Stuart, Stuart did a very good job. He changed the culture. English rugby wasn't in a good place, mate. You know, everyone was aware of that after the 2011 World Cup. And mm. um, he you know, did a very good ch- job of changing that and... Change the culture, put the pride back in the shirt. Yeah. Um, but I, I just think he ran his course, to be honest, and after the World Cup happened, um, he didn't really have a choice. But to go and, you know, they brought in Eddie, who's been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and um, Stuart hadn't done that before. So it was, it was as much a learning curve for Stuart as it was for the players in, in that regard.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, there'll be people listening to the podcast now going, "Oh my god, JB's going to talk about culture again," because this is like my, you know, my pet peeve. Um, I'm not exactly going to do that, but did, do you think there was a, there was a little bit too much emphasis, and not just in the old England regime, but in rugby in general, that you've got to be this this all round wiser than white person? I mean, you've had a few issues yourself with the you know with the tweet, and it, it, did you had the issue with the, the game? Is it the game in France? And it almost just seems to, to snowball. I think the emphasis on, on rugby players now to be these squeaky, these squeaky clean, you know, virtuous individuals. Uh, I, I think, I, I think it's just got it's got slightly ridiculous. To be fair, I I agree with you.
2: Um, well, obviously, I'm going to agree with you, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I do agree. Had um, say a team with a really piss poor culture who go on the piss all the time, in trouble all the time and stuff like that but they win everything. Um, I, I doubt of course there'd be headlines, but I doubt that there'd be as much made of it um, were they losing all the time. yeah because ultimately it comes down to it you, culture connecting fans connecting you know wanting people to, to believe in you people believe in winning. Yeah, that's, that's what they believe in you need to put all the emphasis on winning um, just do that and I think sometimes people get lost like you said people get lost in the whole culture side of it being squeaky clean we've got to be um, role models to kids and I, I understand that I've got two young kids of my own and um, I, I've got to make changes to my own game and to my own personality moving forward um, because I don't want them turning around and being like well who's this wank who's actually my dad um, because there'll be other kids out there who, who are like well who's this wank who well let would say, well, they'd say Bob, uh, Bob Dwyer right I I don't know who Bob Dwyer is um, <laughs> so I can't comment on that no um, but but you're right you, I just uh, bit, I understand the role model and everything but you don't have to go too far the other way where yeah you don't I, do anything and, because that's not human no. humans make mistakes humans yeah, yeah. I mean I, I mean what I'm not saying is let's not go full
1: like Bullingdon club and you know wreck, like wreck a, like wreck a bar but there is a certain element of just letting players be themselves and actually I tell you the great example is Dylan Hartley I mean Dylan Hartley wasn't even in the England squad he was considered a liability and some people may may agree with that. But actually, he's, he's proved he's proved his worth over and over again now for England. And that's a guy who you wouldn't necessarily say, oh, role model. Uh, he's just a good rugby player. He's a fiery character. And if he starts to cap that, you don't get the full benefit of the player. Yeah. no,
2: I'll be spot on there. Um, he's, done a, he's done a brilliant job as captain. He's had his critics. And he'll always have his critics. Mm. Um, but like you described, if he's doing the job, then... It comes to the point where the critics actually turn around and say, "Oh well,
1: he's yeah, doing a decent job, so we'll leave him alone now." Yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I, yeah, I've got problems with uh, coaching in the RFU in general, and uh, I mean, one of my biggest, uh, my biggest bugbears at the moment. Is this? I don't know if you have it at Quinns at all, but it's almost like yeah, we create a, a structure and a framework, and then the players colour in the you know the areas that we have left grey, and we let them lead lead it, and 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 off they go. Because I mean that might be fine for Harlequins with all their star players, but this is starting to filter down through the through the lower leagues now, and I I just can't abide it. We hear about um, Steve Steve Hansen who creates a culture and then the All Blacks go and play. That's fine, because the All Blacks are the best team in the world. But you can't, you simply couldn't do that if you were coaching London Welsh, or if you were coaching Broughton Park, or who, whoever else it may be.
2: Yeah, no, you're spot on there. My, my own attitude towards it is... Um, the point of being a coach and the point of being a manager is to do exactly that. Yeah. You can't just create something and say well you guys have got to own it you guys have got I to hate lead it, it. Well, I hate it so that's your job to yeah. lead it that's what you're paid to do exactly right we're paid to play the game and you know certain people are paid to to lead and be part of the senior group and stuff like that but it's you it's it's got to come from the top consistently mm. you know i'm not saying it's got to be a dictatorship but there has to be that direction from the top that's what you're paid to do It. you can't just say it's on you guys to yeah deal uh, with it yourselves. So, well, on no, that? That's bollocks. It drives me insane because if that,
1: is re- if your <laughs> if your attitude really is well, you know, I'm just going to create a good environment and then we'll get the most talented players in the world and off they go. What What am I paying you money for? Why Why are you even here? You You're not needed. Exactly. So uh, yeah, it's um. I, you know, I I get relatively relatively passionate about it.
2: Yeah, I can see that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh just to um just to finish off a few things. Um why do they call you fish?
2: Who calls me fish?
1: Uh apparently some people call you fish.
2: <laughs> well, I don't know where you've got that from because people don't call me fish.
1: Oh, is that right? Is that is
2: that 100% not true? Who the bloody hell have you been talking
1: to? I talk to everyone. I um, um how can I say? Uh, people people in these circles talk Joe this is bollocks. Um, <laughs> I have no idea. I've got no other information. I just, I just no, said. Uh, uh, Asking why it's...
2: it might be because I've got a gold trout fish on my arm that like I got done when I was, uh, uh. was long term injured, um, five weeks, and uh, <laughs> and decided to get a tattoo. You know, that's uh, that might be it. Ah,
1: uh, is that right? Okay, well, um, I'll let Tom Carson know. That's it. That's exactly why you called fish, fishing.
2: Sake, you'll have to cut that bit out. Um <laughs> what a bastard!
1: Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I did a bit of excuse upon fishing before, before I, um, before I interviewed you, and that was that was the interesting thing that came out. That and um, and you like to draw? Who, who would have guessed?
2: Yes, I do. I do like to draw. It's it's relaxing and therapeutic. Um, you know you get those adult adult colouring <laughs> books now which is acceptable so um, there's no puns or jokes that need to be made of that because everyone does it these days so yeah
1: yeah, absolutely
2: they're, they're, they're big in. crates
1: so is is that, um, is that what we what we'd expect in the moral household then to find uh, one of England's premier props watching Big Brother and, in, and doing his adult colouring book
2: Right, so this isn't exactly how I thought the interview would go, (laughs) but um, I can't really fall back from that, but yes, I'm a little bit, you know, as much as I've enjoyed the interview and, you know, chatting, uh, I'm slightly pissed off that I've missed the majority of the Big Brother tonight, (laughs) Um, and I am currently staring at... One of my drawings that I've put on the wall. Cause, oh, really? So, uh, on a uh, serious note, are, are you actually are you actually quite autistic? No, I'm not in the slightest. Oh, uh. it's not a joke. I just draw and doodle, and the only reason <laughs> the only reason you've got information from Cass is because we'd sit at the back of the Quinn's team meetings. Yeah, and we both have attention spans of about three or four seconds uh-huh. before we start drawing to each other. Um, it's quite a bromance we used to have,
1: but he left me. No, oh, well, he's uh, he's in pastures new, new in Leeds now. Yeah, no. Uh, um, just one last thing then before um, before we go. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we are huge fans of rugby kits here, and mm-hmm. Harlequins throughout throughout time have had a lovely kit. Mm-hmm. This year is special. Huge, huge. You must have been delighted
2: with it. Yeah, I am, yeah. Um very uh gutted, disappointed to have not been involved in the in the photo that took place of the remake of the eighteen sixty six photo or something they did. Um but the kit itself is unbelievable and I'd say it's probably um seventy three seventy three percent. Of the reason why I stay at this club,
1: yeah, it's tremendous, tremendous kits. I'm not keen on the away kit. I'm going I'm to level with you, man to man. The away kit,
2: uh, but no one likes anyone's away kit you know. It's all about the home
1: kit. Yeah, uh, the home kit is. Uh, it, I think, I think this year you might have the best kit in the entire league.
2: Well, They're if we get it. relegated or come eleventh, you know it won't matter because of what you've just said. There, we'll we'll look bloody good doing it.
1: Yeah, you yeah, you you're completely correct. Uh, couldn't couldn't be more correct, Joe. Joe, you. You, you, you you you've been an absolute star today. Thank you so much for for coming on and and, and doing this. We've been chatting for an hour, so I'll let you get off and uh, watch your recorded bit of um, Big Brother.
2: Well, I can't, can I? Because I haven't got Sky Plus in my room. So, uh,
1: oh no, sorry oh, about that. Well, maybe next time we won't do it, do it on a Wednesday. Well... A Tuesday, a Tuesday.
2: Well, I don't want to do this again until the end of Celebrity Big Brother. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, I, I might have Tom Casson
1: on soon, so uh, you can always you, you can all, all, always get your own back.
2: Yes. If you need anything on Cass, uh, just let me
1: know. No problem, Joe. All
2: right, cheers, mate. Peace, Toby. Bye-bye.